Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence, and background checks available on prospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case this is the first time you're tuning in to the Talent Talk radio show, we feature a wide range of guests who care about talent and are uniquely talented themselves. So on this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to uh, success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people, and Second, we also talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. So hopefully that makes, uh, you see how that works and it makes sense. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world and this show really looks to explore those two areas. My guests typically include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, authors, coaches, just the, the gamut of, of talented people who, who have a, something to say about talent. So what generally happens is I'm out at networking events or industry conferences, and I have the privilege of meeting inspiring leaders all the time. So I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career in a positive way. Before I get to my guests today, I want to thank those of you tuning in live. Don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter. Just tweet uh, your question to at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag talent talk, all one word. My producer, Mike, will feed me the best questions, and we'll try to work them into the show. You can also feel free to send us guest suggestions and uh, anything else you have on your mind. Uh, you can use that hashtag, TalentTalk, and at PeopleG2. With that said, let's get today's show started. My guests today are Dean Manzuri, VP of Global Cloud, uh, excuse me, Global Cloud Communications at Masergy, and Dr. Karen Pence, HR Director for uh, Employers Resource. Karen will join me uh, later on in the show. So now let's get to my uh, first guest and friend, uh, Dean Manzuri. Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, of course, your company, uh, Masergy Communications. Um, well, in my current role, uh, I serve as Vice President of Glo- Global Cloud Communications, as you see, said. See, you messed it up, too. Uh, <laughs> almost. <laughs> um, and uh, so I come to Macergy through an acquisition of about two and a half years ago. The company I co-founded back in 2004 uh, called Broadcore was acquired by Macergy in 2012. Uh, we provided unified communications as a service. What that means is that your phone system, your communications platform in the cloud delivered to you as a service. Uh, so today with the, with the Macer G acquisition, uh, we are able to reach a, a broader uh, uh, mar- part of the market uh, that, that uh, we serve uh, to mid-market and the enterprise. Uh, you know, a little about Macer G Communications uh, we own and operate the largest independent global cloud networking platform for enterprise. Our managed cloud network solutions come with fully integrated real-time analytics, global unified communications as a service, cloud-based security, and software-defined network control. Uh, so that gives us a unique opportunity uh, and unique advantage to be able to serve that part of the market with with, with the technology solutions that we can provide. So basically, you're letting a lot of people connect with a lot of other people in some very cool, you know, kind of high-tech ways, you know, whether that's them picking up the phone, whether that's them, uh, then that phone system being able to find them wherever they are, right? Right. So, it, you know, it's, you know, we use the, the term phone system, but I think today it's, it's far beyond just the phone system. People like to communicate. The name of the game is to be able to do things faster and be more productive as what they do. And uh, so our goal is to make our customers more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, we offer a set of uh, products uh, that includes voice, video, instant messaging, presence, mobility, conferencing, all of these services from the cloud without having to... Uh, spend the time and resources to 
uh, purchase any premises-based equipment or uh, have to manage them. It can become mm-hmm. a full-time job. And for most enterprises, this is not uh, their area of expertise or their core, core competency. And, and so most of them, when they uh, adopt the type of service that we provide are very thankful because they can focus on uh, the things that uh, generates revenue for them. Right. I can think about when we first started the business and when we moved to like our second location, we had to buy a phone system. You had like our own little PBX thing in the back room. And if I wanted to add a phone, I had to buy another phone. I had to get someone out there to wire a thing in there. And if I didn't have enough cards in the thing. I mean, it was it would be a big deal. Whereas with your service, you might need the phone, but I mean, you're going to be able just to turn somebody on and they plug it into their into their broadband and they're able to immediately get all those services you talked about. So it's kind of an amazing way that uh, technology and cloud technology specifically can really connect people quickly and allow you you know you said management to worry about other things and. You know, <laughs> keeping the lights on. Keeping the lights on, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I know you've been in telecommunications industry now for you know over twenty years, and some of the different areas that you've you've tackled in your operations. I was, I was three years old back then. You were three years old back yeah. then. Well, you had an early start. You were the the, the Doogie Hauser of cloud communications. <laughs> uh, so you know, from operations to strategic planning to business development, what what, what role of those, or maybe one I didn't mention, ha- have you enjoyed the most over your time in in, in this industry, and why? Each of these categories uh, uh, are challenging and rewarding in their own way. Um, I enjoy strategizing, uh, but I also enjoy executing based on that strategy and plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't really put my finger on it, but I'd say I enjoy both, uh, you know, building the strategy and developing the business and executing on the plans. Yeah, I know that I've seen you, uh, you know, take on a lot of uh, growth since I've known you. Uh, uh, Dean and I are both in a, a uh, kind of a CEO's group for uh, uh, called Adaptive Business Leaders. We've had several of the members and even the founder on the show. And uh, I know Dean re- you know, went back to uh, school. And, and I, I noticed a change in your, your thought process even about, you know, looking at that strategy in a different way. But I think you're right. You, you enjoy executing a lot on I- that. I do, and you know, I can later in the show I can give you some, some, some examples of little things we did mm-hmm. uh, in terms of executing on that strategy. It was important to have the right strategy, right? But it was also important to make sure that you can execute on that strategy, right? So you have experience in that organizational change and strategy that, as we're talking about. So, as you've worked with different companies, you you kind of you that you found yourself in, whether it was ones that you went and applied to or the ones you started or the ones that you got emerged into, what have been some of the strategic changes that have helped, really helped you kind of bring that about? You know, I, I'd like to go back to 2008. Uh, the company we had started had, uh, was flatlining, and, you know, there are certain things that I could see in the business that wasn't allowing us to grow. Uh, so we went back to the drawing board, literally. You know, you mentioned I went back to business school and, uh, uh, you know, wrote a very specific uh, a business plan f- for uh, the Unified Communications Initiative uh, that we started. And uh, we really uh, uh, revolutionized the company by doing very little things. Um, you know, uh, the employees, we implemented the f- a, a few small things to motivate employees and and uh, have them believe in in what we were doing mm-hmm. uh, it was it was a new era uh, of cloud communications it wasn't really well known at, at the time um, although there were many companies doing it for for the small part of the market but nobody nobody really had attempted to do uh, the same uh, duplicate the same results up market you know with let's say 100 users or more, or 1,000 users at that. So what we did is we empowered the front lines to be able to make decisions. Um, if somebody called in uh, with a uh, issue with their instrument or any part of the service, regardless of what caused the problem, we would take responsibility f- 
But we would also let the front lines make decisions, and we would support them on that decision, regardless of what that was. They would later have to justify why they made that decision, but it wasn't necessary to put the customer on hold and figure out if they can give them a credit because they poured coffee on their on their on their telephone instrument. You know, all they had to do was look at the customer, who they are. You know, uh, what is how much they spend with us on a monthly basis, and what is the value of that company. Uh, to us, and instead of um, having to talk to a manager to replace a phone that someone put coffee in, didn't make any kind of sense. Mm-hmm. So we told them that, guys, do whatever you want. You can waive any amount of charges. You can you could do anything you think is for the best interest of the customer, and we'll support you, but you will have to justify why you did. You know, if you right, didn't it can't just be because, but they had to at least be able to explain it, right? The thought process, right? And that just did wonders. People were, were just felt, uh, you know, like owners of the business, and they take they took pride in in the way they talked to customers. It was mm-hmm. a different interaction. It was a very little subtle change from a management perspective, but it had a, a great impact throughout. The, the value chain. You know, we uh, we created a document that described how we operate, and that document not only did it communicate to the outside world, but it really communicated internally, and people understood what we were trying to do. You know, there are cases where uh, uh, management can tune out uh, the, the the frontline employees, and and vice versa, but. Making sure that communications line is open uh, did wonders for us. Uh, you know, making sure that we trusted them in making those frontline decisions that that had the biggest impact. I, I'd say. Right. Well, that gets into the whole idea of autonomy. You know, we've we brought this up on the show at least every other week. But um, you know, you give them the autonomy to make those decisions, and they suddenly and you've given them training. You've given them, you know, they understand what, you know, you're not just throwing someone who you hired off the street to sit on the phone lines and tell them, go do what you want. I mean, they certainly have training. They know what they're supposed to do. They know what their, you know, what their limits are. I mean, they're not going to approve a, oh, send them 50 phones. They're not going to do anything ridiculous because you said they have to justify it. But there's that level of, I get to make the decision, so I'm going to help make the best decision for the client right now. And it gives them that sense of, connection to the company but connection to the customer all at the same time it's amazing how that can happen by just giving people the ability to make a decision even if it's not always the 100 percent best decision they can learn how to make those over time right but if they sent a 200 dollars phone out when maybe they probably shouldn't have done that but that client ends up being really happy about it I mean, to replace that client is probably going to cost you more than $200, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing is when you give them autonomy, uh, you give them – you make them more responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you make – you you create an environment where uh, people have to think. Uh, so instead of just picking up the phone and calling a manager down the line, can I do this, you do the research yourself. The information is there uh, in the back office uh, – um, uh, uh, softer solution, right? So you mm-hmm. can go look in there. How much are they spending with us? How often do they break their phones? Those are all decisions that uh, can be made from anyone that's talking, interacting with the customer. And by giving them autonomy, you actually are giving them more responsibility and you're indirectly uh, causing them to think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in your current role, what are you seeing as some of the challenges or rewards you know, as it comes to developing or uh, implementing what, what the new, you know, the cor- corporate strategy is now. And it, you're in a different environment. You're in a bigger company. Um, you're not the founder of that company. You've been, you've been brought in and, and, and retained now. So obviously they like what you're doing. But what are you kind of seeing as some of those challenges and rewards in that current environment? You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, I do what I do because I've uh, learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the past couple of years, uh, you know, uh, having been uh, in in a startup environment uh, for a long time, uh, stepping into a very well established uh, organization with uh, 
very specific processes has uh, taught me a lot. I I, I plan better. Uh, there is more um, um, definitely documentation to support the strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't just have an idea and expect it to work. You really have to back it up. Right. And it has to be well documented. Uh, Which is so, a lot different than when you're an entrepreneur and you say, hey, let's do this. Let's, you know, right. see what happens. But, you know, it's it's your responsibility if it doesn't work out, but right. it's a totally different system. And, and, you know, everyone internally has to buy in uh, mm-hmm. to whatever that new initiative is or right. the product. And I'm, I'm working on a few new products that, uh, uh, you know, they're at the requirement phase where I'm gathering a lot of information about uh, the services that we, we may want to add uh, to our product mix. Uh, they're very exciting things. Uh, you know, I look at things, um, you know, technology and innovation uh, are important only when you can deliver productivity. You know, customers buy your services for three reasons. They, to increase revenue, lower cost, or to comply to some uh, regulation. Those are the three things. So whatever the product is, as cool as it may be, has to be either increasing revenue, reducing cost, or comply with some government policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's helped me focus on uh, when, I, when I'm doing these requirements for the new product is, is to focus in on those three items. You know, what problem are we trying to solve? And it really makes the product at the end of the day uh, that much more solid. And it's, it's exciting times. Well, yeah, and it uh, and it, it, it's really unique that you've been able to make that transition and done it very well to go from one environment to the next. Um, I know many people who can't, you know, they, the companies were sold and they were very much an entrepreneur. And, and you, you had partners, you had other people you were responsible to and, and, you know, back and forth. So it's a little bit maybe different than just having a single entrepreneurial situation. But to be brought in and then you, you've continued to be successful is certainly a testament to your adaptability and your uh, uh, desire to uh, you know, to want to achieve more. You know, uh, you say successful, I, the jury is still out. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> well, that's the, uh, the humbleness there uh, of Dean. All right. Well, um, what, what do you think? I know you mentioned a few things with maybe from a technology side, but maybe outside of technology, where do you see your company really being unique or different from other companies in the space? Maysergy uh, Unified Communications uh, is unique in the space in the way that our call platform or our Unified Communications platform is embedded in the fabric of our global network. What that means is that we have control and visibility over every active component within our network. Uh, we see the packets. You know, if, if you can imagine your your voice is packetized into data and it, it, it goes out over our network, we have visibility to every packet. We can uh, show our customers uh, uh, based on our SLAs and guarantee our, our um, audio quality uh, as it traverses over our network. We have... We are just about to deploy a tool that allows our customers to see uh, and analyze uh, the voice quality on every call. So not only do you get the call detail records, but along with that, you get um, the analytics and the forensic information that you you need to determine how good that call was. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're looking looking at uh, latency, jitter, uh, packet drop. And all of those uh, uh, come together with, in a formula that make up a thing called uh, uh, mean opinion score, MOS, uh, which is an indication of how well the, 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 the conversation went. And, and we show that to our customers uh, in support of our SLAs. Uh, we can do that because we have access and visibility to every active component within our system. We match up the bits and bytes information with the actual metadata of every call. So it's very easy for an IT administrator to go in and find a needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. Well, that can be really, really important for, you know, I guess for a company that has people in actually at a um, 
you know, brick and mortar type of a situation? Do you have enough bandwidth? Are you, you know, so are you able to receive calls and do the work you need to do? And then if you had virtual staff, are their own individual broadband or systems that they have holding up and, and maintaining call quality? Because that's some, something I'm just not thinking because I have a virtual staff. I have no idea if they're, sure. you know, how what their call quality is like. I, I know when I use Skype, I can see what my call quality is. But, I mean, aside from that, I wouldn't know, and I wouldn't know if my staff, sure. are they having good calls? Are they having their wrong calls, you know, or whatever? And that's an important component to customer satisfaction. You don't want to be... Oh, hold on, let me call you back, or oh, my phone, or, you know, those kind of annoyances can turn people off very quickly. Yeah, so when we provide our service, we provide the network uh, and, and the application in one. Now, of course, if you use our service, which you can, uh, take your phone home and work from home, and uh, uh, we do have a number of employees that do this at Macergy, but we also have many, many customers who have folks that work from home. Mm-hmm. Of course, th- they're using a commodity uh, IP access wherever they are, and the audio quality there is going to be best effort. Uh, but we have the tools to show if there should be any problems down the line, you know, where the problem is very quickly. Uh, now, solving it may, may mean that you have to subscribe to our managed cloud network solution, um, but that would be a choice that is 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 available to um, you know any enterprise mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you can have a distributed workforce uh, without having to spend you know anything extra on infrastructure uh, is priceless uh, you know if, if your business runs uh, that way right 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 well I know uh, you're you're always uh, learning new things and uh, actively, kind of in that, that process of self-improvement. So I'm sure you have a fantastic answer to my next question, which is one of our favorites to ask our guests, and that is, what are you reading right now? And can you tell us about that book? The book I'm reading is uh, uh, Owner's Man- Startup Guide Owner Manual. I forget what the title is, but it's, uh, it's, it's, a star- it's, it's an owner's manual to a startup. So I find it very interesting. It's almost like I'm reading history and I'm I'm finding out how many things we did wrong, <laughs> and but we learn from those failures. And I, I read this um, in terms of product development and what does it really take to, to develop a product. Now, you could have you could be a startup or you could be a well-established company. I think the process is very similar in terms of um, uh, you let the customers tell you what your product should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have our uh, preconceived. Uh, ideas about what might make a customer more productive, uh, but not not until your customers get their hands on it do you really know that you were right. And and you know you need to be able to pivot. You need to be able to adapt um, when you're developing a product, whether it's at a startup mode or whether it's it's a new product at a well-established company. Of course, with a startup, it's a lot easier easier to pivot. It's a lot easier to to get very close to your customers. Um, And so I'm enjoying reading this book, actually. Good. Well, uh, we're just about here at the end of our... uh our interview, and I really appreciated uh, you coming down here and uh, and sharing with us your story. So, how can people reach out uh, and find, learn more about Maestrogy if they're interested? Well, uh, Maestrogy dot com uh, uh, is where you can find us, um, and uh, my email and that address. is spelled M A S E R G Y. In case anyone is. Uh, can't take the radio version. I know I'd be at home going, uh, okay, but yeah, so <laughs> yeah. go ahead. That's, that's, that's the correct spelling. Thank you. <laughs> and so I can be reached at dean.manzuri at com, and I'll spell it D as in David, E-A-N as in Nancy, dot Manzuri, M as in Michael, A, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-O-R-I at com. Well, again, we really appreciate you being here, and hopefully you can uh, come back down the road and let us know how things are going and uh, what other great books you're reading. Absolutely. I enjoyed this this conversation. This was very uh, surprising, the way you set this studio up, and it was my first time I've ever spoken to a microphone this big. All right. Well, he's a, he's a radio virgin no longer. So, All right. We have Dr. Karen Pence coming up after this quick commercial break. 
When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast of this show and listen to past shows by visiting either octalkradio.net or talenttalkradio.com. You can uh, click on the show you're interested on and hear it, or you can subscribe and uh, go on uh, iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts and have them automatically delivered to you. Uh, in the time we've existed, we've already amassed a huge following, over uh, 47,000 people tuning in on a regular basis, and we really appreciate your, uh, your uh, patronage and uh, listening to the show. So my next guest is Dr. Karen Pence, HR Director of Employers Resource. Don't forget to tweet your questions for her live right now. Uh, and send them to at PeopleG2 and use that hashtag Talent Talk. So, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us about yourself and, and of course, your company, uh, Employer's Resource. Great. Um, well, I have been in the HR field for about well, a little over 20 years. I hesitate to say that, but it's been a long time. Um, I have a Ph.D. in organizational leadership, and just to add insult to injury, I have actually become a first-year law student, so I thought I would just tempt myself with law. The constant I learner, worked, I, I take it. A <laughs> constant learner, yes. I um, have worked for various companies in San Diego and in the Inland Empire. Um, my company that I work for now, Employers Resource, is a... Uh, company that's been long established in the field. They've over 32 years of experience. They are a, um, the ability to have, we have supervised, specialized people for payroll, benefits, HR, workers' comp, um, and safety and risk. These specialists help our customers. We have over 400 um, who outsource to us uh, to have a low-cost, uh, effective solution for um, their HR needs, payroll needs, and all the other administrations for employees. So, so you've worked in several companies in uh, over that time span in your career as uh, in HR, director of HR. So can you talk about some of the rewards and challenges that you faced in this position over those years? Um, yeah, sure. Um, some of the things that I always look for in every position I have ever attained is to look for it as a learning experience. I've been privileged to have worked with great leaders as well as challenged for those that should not be behind the desk at all. 
Um, I worked with leaders who knew their employees well, knew their families, um, kept their word, um, which to an employee is, you know, tantamount to, you know, being loyal to them. Uh, worked with uh, companies that use the strength of their employees rather than just look at them as numbers. And um, that provides the competitive edge. Some of the challenges, um, well, there's been a lot of different challenges when it comes to the leaders of companies that I've worked with. Uh, some of those are the ones that always sit in their office, never come out, never have meetings, pretty much you know, supply edicts rather than have communication, and uh, just you know, go from Monday through Friday and do their job and never once um, take the temperature of what's going out out in the uh, lines or in the offices. And that's been a challenge for quite a few companies, and a lot of those companies are gone now. Um, you, you wonder how people like that end up, you know, in the position that they're in, if they don't want to be collaborative or they don't want to communicate in that way. I mean, yeah, just sitting in a desk and writing out edicts all day. I mean, we've, we've seen those leaders, examples of those leaders over and over and over again, and, and yet time and time again, they tend to be the ones that fail, right? The, the organizations fail, their departments fail, Um and yet, uh, I still haven't figured out how do these people end up in these positions and why do they want to be in these positions of power if they don't want to ultimately do pull out one of the few recipes that are out there to be a successful person in that kind of position, you know? Absolutely. They look at it as a paycheck. It's not, to them, it's just that that paycheck at the end of the week or the end of two weeks, and that's what they look at it, and they're not connecting with the people that can give them the competitive edge and keep that company um, moving forward, which is the employees. You spend a great deal of money getting employees in the door. You should at least look at it as an investment and not just another number on the line. Do you think it also might be a lack of confidence by those people that they get to kind of keep everyone in their arm's distance, no one's going to notice that maybe they don't have all the answers or that they don't, you know, they can't do all the things that everyone might expect from them? Uh, I often thought that, yeah. Yeah, instead of just being honest, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I tell people, I don't know. <laughs> Let, let's find out, you know, let's let's go figure yeah. it out. But I know people who would never say that. That would just petrify them. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there. I can agree with you on that part. I think that there are egos there that don't want to admit they don't know everything. And rather than have to say that, they just don't let anybody ask them the questions that they may not know. That's one of the things that crosses my mind every year when I blow out the candles is I realize that (laughs) how much more I don't realize that I don't know that I didn't realize I didn't know the year before. I mean, you get every year you get older, it seems to be exposed to so many more things and so many more people that I just, it's, it's growing infinitely that amount of things that I have no clue about that are out there that I want to know about and I want to be exposed to, but man, do I not, you know, it's different when you're 18 and you have all the answers, oh, um, yes. you know, because <laughs> your, your, your scope of uh, experience is so small, but um, yeah, it's, it's almost like for those people that they've, re- they realize that as well, but they just don't take the right approach to it and it, it kind of closes them down. So I can imagine that being very difficult in those situations when you have to deal with them. Yes. Uh, you know, there's been times when you do want to shake them and, and make them understand. But <laughs> That's not very know, HR of you. No, you can't, can't, can't shake them. You can't them. really shake them, <laughs> pull them out of the seats and make them go talk. But, you know, you, I have been successful in getting some of them to change their ways, but like I said, a lot of them are gone. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the companies went, uh, you know, went under or just packed up and left because they just didn't have the right leadership. They look great on paper sometimes and just cannot make it work in real life. So I guess over the course of your time here, that you know you've you've had you know good and bad when it comes to company culture, and I, I'm going to guess that, that what we're talking about with some of these difficult people you've had to deal with, there might be some parallels now with the poor company culture. So maybe outside of that uh, particular person or leader, maybe you could share a little bit about some of the differences in the cultures that you've experienced, and maybe which ones you preferred. Um, yeah, uh, well, I've had experience in the big box retail I- industry, and uh, for not to be too much of a pun, but there really isn't too much outside the box thinking when you come to working in big box. That culture is very regimented, um, but it was necessary. If you have a growth culture, 
such as what other big boxes do, to be number one, number two, their whole drive is more stores, you know, more profits. Um, so they have to have control over everything, and it works for them. It's 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 what makes them successful. Um, from a employee standpoint, it's great training. You learn the basics of your job, even from HR or even as a store manager. They are very good at turning out talent that way, and um, people go on to bigger and better things. So if for that for that particular industry, it works well. Mm-hmm. I've worked with uh, family-owned companies that literally invite you into their family and you become just one of those members of their family and they take very good care of you, which is great. But sometimes that's a detriment because if the economy turns, as one of my companies that I worked with, the economy takes a downturn, it's very difficult for them to separate Mm -hmm. uh, the employee from that family member. And, you know, they sometimes will hang on longer than they need to and they end up, you know, end up looking at, um, you know, they were going to, cut off one of their com- one of their, empl- their family members and that's always hard to do um, if I was to look at uh, the culture that I enjoyed most it's that you know family I had worked in another family industry where the family uh, the head of the family was also the head of the company and he knew everybody he knew everybody by their first name and knew their families and it was it was really one of the most pleasant times I've ever worked behind the desk in HR because people knew they were they were valued and that's important to a lot of people they want to know that you know he's just not that guy that sits in the corner office he's going to be out here asking us questions and listening to us and that's great that's always been one of my fondest memories so is that one of the the top things then you would kind of identify for an an effective you know culture if you were walking in the door first day for a new project or something and you know, is it that the the management really understands and knows the employees, or is there some other components that you're looking for to say, yeah, this is a good culture? Well, I judge very quickly when I walk in, if I'm doing a, a, a visit or even as a, when I worked as a consultant, I look at um, how I'm greeted at that front desk. It tells you a lot about what's going on in that company. If you've got somebody that just basically doesn't look at you, doesn't smile at you, um, you know, and just is going through the motion to pretty much have a really good idea of what's going to happen behind that door. So uh, it's to me, it's an overall feeling as you walk in. If it's if it's very clean and and kind of rigid, that's probably what you're going to see. If it looks as though people are friendly and they're enjoying their work, you get a good, very good feel about what you're going to find once you get to talk to the management and the leaders and some of the employees. So I look at it that way. So, so looking at you know the employees themselves, and you kind of mentioned that you know first impression you might get from someone at the front desk or whoever might initially greet you. So, do you think that maybe there are some very specific things that are really important to employees in general, or maybe is there some sort of a does that vary? You know, is it generational or is it? Um, different based on, you know, where they are in the food chain of the organization or is it just maybe a few things that are universal across the board for an employee to, to be happy and to, to feel important in the organization? You know, there's been a lot of studies done about, you know, you'll ask some people and they'll think, well, I want to, you know, I think that employees want money. They want to, they want to, you know, make a paycheck. And that's not necessarily true and I don't think it's a generational thing. I think every employee that goes to work, uh, wants to feel valued and wants to be respected in their work. Um, you know, they, yeah, of course they want to be fairly compensated, but they also want to know that uh, their opinions will actually be asked for and listened to without risk of, of actually, you know, losing their job or being, you know, uh, painted as somebody that's, you know, a rebel rouser. They, you know, they want to know that the leaders are committed to, you know, making the company successful and knowing that those employers are part of that success factor and that it's a two-way street. You know, mm-hmm. they know that the, you know, if they give what their their end, that their leaders and management are going to consistently drive for results. So they're invested in their development, both in a two-way street in that, in that respect. So I don't think it changes um, from the young person 
to the older worker. I think the older worker still wants that support from their supervisor, wants meaningful work, um, wants to know that their contributions are valued. I, I don't think it's changing much in that respect. I think people want to know when they leave work at the end of the day that they've done a great job and people recognize that. You know, it's never, to me, it's never been different from the, the new young person entering the work field to the older worker that's you know, kind of winding down. They want to make sure they have meaningful work. And they want to be employable, so their skills are are still valued. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've looked at it. I don't think it's changed much. So then, how how do companies effectively communicate then their value system so that the you know, the employees can feel comfortable and can feel like they can have a voice and you know and be a part of that process? Is there maybe some standardized you know tips and tricks here, or is it you know maybe you can get some suggestions on how does a company really effectively communicate those things? Well, you know, I've read something recently I thought is is a perfect answer for this. Um, it, it said employees are more apt to act off the, off what they see in the hall versus what they read on that wall, meaning that they're looking for examples, positive examples on how to act. And those leaders that set those positive examples and walk the talk, if that's not a too trite of a word, is what they're going to follow. And, you know, if they don't see that, if they see um, a leadership that doesn't have any connection to them, they're likely not going to be very loyal to that company. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to not only support the journey, but they want to enjoy the trip. And that's really what everybody strives for. It's more than money. It's the actual value of the job. So they will look at our leaders, the leaders of their companies, to look for their opinions and they're the experts on the job. So who else would you go to if you wanted to know what was going on on the line but somebody on the line? Right. Um, and if you're going to change things and things, things uh, or have a change program in place, who would be more, more the expert on, on how it's going to impact their jobs than the guys, guys and gals doing that? So my advice would be to over-communicate. Tell them everything. Um, you know, we are in a world where, you know, we have instant communication. So over-communication is not something anyone's going to be, um, a, you know, not used to. Um, uh, the other thing that I've been told in my career is tell the right people the right information at the right time all the time. And I've lived by that. Tell them as much information as they need to feel comfortable and feel secure and they'll follow you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, being able to almost, even if it's more information that, than they need, that's better than less information that they need. Right. Um, nobody likes to feel as though they're not part of what's going on, and nobody likes to be blindsided. As much as we always you know, tell our people that work for us, don't blindside me, our employees don't want that either. They don't want to wake up one morning, walk into work, punch their card, and all of a sudden everything's changed. Yeah. They're going to feel confused, and they're going to fight against that change no matter what you try. So I know you're, you're also the, the owner of a CEO in HR consulting from the HR Doc. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that venture and experience as, as an entrepreneur and, and consultant. Well, that, that was actually launched this year. Actually, the website was launched this year. Um, it was kind of a play on the fact that I have a Ph.D. and have been in HR for, for as long as I have. Um, and it's Basically, the marketing campaign that we're putting together right now is I want to reach more nationwide than local uh, businesses because I, um, you know, the Southern California area has got a lot of consultants in it. My focus is primarily to do online training um, where companies can just download the training um, that I put together specifically for what they need. And I'm also very involved with HR certifications for my HR peers, um, uh, the SPHR and PHR certifications that a lot of my HR fellows ca- uh, carry at the end of their names. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach that for UCR, and um, I'm very heavy into getting people certified because I think it's an excellent way to promote yourself and and become employable because it's 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 a very very difficult certification to pass, and it's you know once. 
once you do it, it's you should be very proud of it. So I'm spending a lot of emphasis on getting that done as a webinar um, and be able to get reach people outside of California on a nationwide level. So that's really my focus on the HR doc. Great, great. Well, one of our favorite questions to ask uh, our guests, and I'm sure you're going to have a, a fabulous answer given the amount of learning and, and uh, always kind of self-improvement it seems like you're, you're doing on your end, is you know, what book are you reading right now and can you tell us about it? Sure. I, I am a history lover. I have loved history ever since I was in high school and I finished reading, uh, I've read Killing Kennedy and Killing Lincoln, um, Bill O'Reilly's books, and now I'm reading Killing Jesus. I just started it and I, I look at it, it's a history book. It's not, doesn't have any, the blame, the whole nine yards, everything that's in there has been verified. And I, like I said, I just started reading it, but it's fascinating to see how, what was playing, playing out in the environment in which Jesus lived and all the politics and the uh, self-preservation of the leaders when that time that kind of led up to um, you know how Jesus was was killed. So I'm looking forward to reading that, and I think next the next book is probably going to be Killing Patton. Um, you're you're, uh, on, you're on a killing. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm on a history kind of a yeah. trend right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have had lots of guests that have, have brought up history books, whether it's uh, biographies, autobiographies, or these kind of in depth. You know, looking at uh, what the state of history was during a particular event or person mm-hmm. that you're mentioning. So it seems like that is a, d- a definite uh, train of thought in looking at the situations and seeing whether you can learn something or pick up you know, some parallels to what's happening now. Um, a, lo- a lot of people in, in similar position to you seem to, seem to follow that train of thought. So it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Because I always seem to be just trying to keep up with my... Uh, general business and you know hr type books that i'm you know we get recommended and i I always think history books i I don't have the time but uh they always seem fat there are a few few people out there i'd be really interested to learn more about and i I think we probably have you know you could learn same kind of things you learn from you know other uh, professors or authors that have you know written about something that's you know interesting you know from a business standpoint as well i try to sandwich that into in between all the law book reading and and uh, case casework that I have to go for school, so it's uh, yeah. it's, it's hard, but I managed to do it. So it's uh, it's been very rewarding so far. I did take some criminal law classes, and even though they were some discussions in the class were extremely interesting, the w- reading outside of class w- was some of the most boring stuff I've ever read in my life. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, thank goodness the the classroom discussions were riveting. That kept me uh, attending class and had to worry about, uh, you know, having the having the desire to, to want to ditch that day. But so, well, uh, one of the things I, I wanted to uh, make sure we asked you is, you know, maybe looking back in your own uh, personal and professional development, is there maybe someone that helped you or really influenced you along the way to, to really become the leader that you are? Oh, gosh, that's going to be hard to pinpoint. Um, I have worked with. Uh, people that became so involved and so uh, beloved by their employees that they could make, they could ask them to walk over a cliff and they would enjoy the trip. Um, I've worked, uh, and that, that to me was one of the most rewarding uh, aspects. I had people literally clamoring to work for this manager because he was just that charismatic and caring about his employees, knew their families, knew their families' names, knew their kids, um, always remembered their birthdays. He was very well-known, very well-followed, um, almost like a, a rock star, if you if you right. want. So he was just that great. And he, from him I learned the the art of, you know, getting in tune with, with, with an employee, knowing them well, asking the right questions and getting them to, Understand that you care for what they, you know, they uh, their their plight or their their ideas, and uh, to this day we're great friends. He's moved on from the company that we work together with, but he's he's well known in the in the community he lives in and 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 very well respected. Um, I've also learned from leaders that I work with 
about what not to do to employees oh, yeah. and what how not to treat them and and you know things that I would work with them to hopefully overcome. Uh, I mentioned that before that some of them are already gone, but uh, you learn from every interaction, and I've learned how not to uh, deal with people from quite a few of the people I've worked with. Although it's so extremely they, difficult they, when you're going through that process, when you're living through that. Some of those lessons I know for me have been of the most important to have learned what how not to treat people or what not to do by watching these people just absolutely screw it up or fail or, you know, uh, squander a really good uh, situation. So I know some of those are really important life lessons that uh, don't stick around too long, but if you're in that situation, people should definitely uh, learn what they can in there. I know we're just about out of time here. I want to make sure uh, give you the opportunity to if, how, how people can get a hold of you if they're interested in the HR Doc or in Employers Resource. Sure. Um, the HR Doc's website is www.the-hrdoc.com, um, and all my contact information is there, uh, and there's an 800 number on that website. For Employers Resource, our website is www. Uh, employers-resource.com. We have two offices, one in Tustin and one in San Marcos, California. Um, and, and we are we let answer our phones live, so you always get somebody to answer your questions and uh, get you immediate help. So we're always here. Well, Karen, thank you so much for being our guest today. I really uh, enjoyed uh, learning about you and what you're doing, and hopefully you can come back and give us an update at some point. Great. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. All right. That's about all the time we have today. Thank you again to my guests, Dean Manzuri and Karen Pence, Dr. Karen Pence. Tune in next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to hear Matthew Perosi, the CEO of uh, Stellium Networks, Inc. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio. Right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.